Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Outlaw Country Podcast. Um, today we have a guest, one of our good buddies, Zane Goldfish. We've mentioned him on here a couple times. He's got his own hat shaping company. We posted about him on Instagram and Twitter. So Zane, thanks for joining us, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, later on, we will be having Charlie Crockett on as well. So four of us will just be talking, talking about country music, talking about Charlie's career. So we're really excited for that too. And we want to talk about a few songs that have been released um, last couple of weeks. The first one we want to talk about is Chris Stapleton's new song, Cold, was dropped today. And it's it's very unique, different song um, by Chris Stapleton. I've seen some reviews, people didn't like it, but I know me and Cole and Zane were pretty pleased with it. What do you think about it, Cole? I was really happy with the guitar solo uh, towards the end of it. And I actually thought like the intro with the piano was actually pretty unique. And uh, I really liked the sound of it. I was really pleased. Zane, what'd you think of it? I only gave it, I had a short listen to it, but I, I thought it was, it was interesting. I liked it. Um, I definitely listened to it more though to get like a good, solid opinion on it. Yeah. Well, and then the next song I want to talk about is Crawford and Power. They're a smaller band. We, we are big fans of them. We tweet about them whenever they release new music. They just released a song called We Could Be Something. They're a really cool band. They're very heavy on the dobro and, they're, they're going to be coming up here soon. I think they're going to be a, a big band, so keep an eye out for them. Yeah, I was really happy with that song as well. Um, I think we were playing it right before we started this, and I, I was really happy. It was it got me going. It was a good one. Yeah. And then, Cole, I think you, you should probably talk about your boy Aaron Watson's new song, Silverado, Saturday Night. Yeah, he uh, Silverado, Saturday Night, released that today. Um, another single. I is he coming out with an album soon? Do you know anything about that? I think, I think, but I don't know if he's, he's officially said it. He's released two singles. So it makes me wonder that there's probably something in the works. Yeah. He released uh, whisper my name a while ago and then now the Silverado Saturday night. So I was really happy with it. Uh, it turned out really well. So I'm excited. I think the yeah. next one, um, it didn't come out today, but Eric Church hidden at hinted at a new song for next week. Uh, he posted some earlier this week to the uh, is it the church choir? Is that what he calls his like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Posted some to them, and then he put some on uh, Instagram and Twitter today. Said a little like uh, snippet to hold you over until next week. So uh, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised he didn't release it today because usually he releases last three songs he's released have been on the last Friday of every month, but uh, I guess he's holding off until the first week of October. So I'm excited to hear that one. Yeah, I think it, it sounded, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, maybe like a Springsteen or a, like Give Me Back My Hometown. It was a little more upbeat. I was really, like, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it. I think it's going to be. This one had the blue the blue background on it instead of the red. So, so, so far, I'm blue, so. Yeah. So it, far, my favorite's Crazy Land. I think that song's a hell of a, a, hell of a single. Uh, next thing to look out for the next week is the uh, Brent Cobb album that comes out. It's Keep Them On The Toes. Um, that comes out, yeah, Friday, October 2nd. So really looking forward to that. Um, he's got three singles out for that so far. And I'm really excited to hear what the rest of it's like. And I'm really excited yeah, for the final. Well, kind of something crazy he tweeted out today is eight years ago to the day Brent Cobb released his first ever EP. And his really? new album. Yeah. His new album is coming out. Uh, 
a week from a week from today. So that's pretty cool. They basically almost lined up. So we, me and you both pre-ordered on vinyl. We got it signed. It's coming. So we can't wait to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we uh, uh, talk to Zane about his hatch haven business. I want to say something about Robert Henry. Uh, his new or his song "Something Better," something better off his new EP, uh, is going to radio stations worldwide today. So, if you hear anything about it, you know, send it to your local radio station and get yeah, that requested. Yeah, yeah, he's a hell of an artist, and he he deserves every good thing that comes his way. He's a good friend of the show, so good for Robert. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Zane, let's hear about your hat business, man. Let's plug it. All right, so it's pretty new, pretty small. Um, I'm just working out of my house right now, but I'm looking at maybe getting a job at the Western store at the Fort in Lincoln just to get some extra practice. But uh, it all kind of started – I feel like a lot of hat shapers kind of started out that way when when I, ha- I bought a hat in uh, Fort Worth, not this summer, but the summer before that, and I had it shaped, and it didn't turn out the best. And so I went and I had it reshaped by somebody. And, but in the, between the time I was looking at maybe even working on it myself. And I feel like it kind of just got me into the rabbit hole of learning how to shape myself. Because once, once I watched it, I realized it was probably something I could just learn, learn to do. And then, um, and same with, I bought another, I bought a felt hat this last winter. And it was also not really shaped to my liking. And the person had, steamed it so much that the hat was wet and so i was able to kind of like i was able to walk i just walked away and found a mirror in the store and started kind of working on it because it was still it was so it's not supposed to be wet but it was so wet that i could kind of get a form with it still even after it was cooled off and um that was when i just decided to kind of really seriously start looking into learning how to shape and so this uh this summer I bought a open crown hat and decided to go out and just shape it myself. And I thought it turned out pretty well. Um, and I decided to just post, post it on Instagram and see if maybe anybody would be interested in having me start shape hats for them. And I bought a, the last couple of months I bought a steamer and uh, everything you need to clean, clean hats. So. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you, uh, reshaped my hat and I thought that turned out great I was really pleased with it and you shaped our good buddy Dan's hat just recently and I thought that turned out really good so plug your social media man make sure everyone can follow you it's a goldfish underscore hats on Instagram um that's the only social media I have for my business right now I'm thinking I'll maybe get a Facebook page just because I can get probably a lot of reach with that with um the number of people I know but it's starting a lot of my followers right now are people I know, but I'm starting to get more people who I've never met to follow uh, in the in the Nebraska area. And so hopefully I start getting some um, business picked up a little bit. I just got a, a message yesterday about somebody interested. So that's always exciting with somebody that you know. I say, I think one cool thing he did, Ben, was uh, when we were over at your place last time, your hat was like a little crooked on your head for some reason. And yeah, it was like, it wasn't anything Zane did. It was just my head. It was almost like pushing out the sides that it made it just look awkward on my head. Cause when Zane put it on, it looked fine. And Zane adapted real quick to fix it. 
Yeah, I say I think it's just because you've been dropped on your head too many times as a kid. But he took a pot of boiling water and just wrapped a little foil around it, create a little uh, makeshift steamer, and fix it right on the spot. So, yeah, yeah. So that's how it's kind of how it originally started way back when um, the old cowboys were fixing up their hats. That's what they do is um, just boil some water and then a tea kettle usually and use that steam to kind of bend it. And yeah, because I didn't anticipate. The hat looked pretty square, and so I think Ben's head just kind of stretched on the sides a little bit, and so I uh, kind of pulled out the, like, reached on the inside of the crown, pulled it, tried to stretch the best I could, and then flatten out. I pulled down the one side that was going up to extra far to kind of compensate, so it looks it looks a lot more square on Ben's head now than it did before, but sometimes you just got to be ready to make those adjustments, because... I wasn't, Ben wasn't around when I was reshaping it, so. Yeah, well, everyone go give Zane a follow, and we're going to get right into things with Charlie Crockett here now. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've got a busy schedule, so just let us know when you got to go or anything like that. But um, I know we tried to set up an interview with you a couple weeks ago when you were in the studio recording. So can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on? Oh, Yeah. Well, I, you know, I put out a, I put out a record back on July the 31st called, uh, welcome to hard times. And yeah. we've been pushing that one. Um, but I had a buddy, actually a mentor, a friend, a kind of honky tonk hero. He passed away back in June. Taught me a lot of what I know just by living his own life. A man by the name of uh, James hand, we all called him slim. And I promised him before he died that I would uh, record a collection of my favorite songs of his. And so I've been in the studio holding up my end of the deal and uh, we're about done with it. So, you know, whenever I record a record, even like Welcome to Hard Times, once it's recorded, I'm, I'm, I'm over it, man. I got to get to the next one. Yeah, well, looking forward to it, man. That sounds very cool. And that's, that's, that's very nice that you did something like that for him. Oh, man, wait to hear these songs, man. He's. He's really one of the greatest. I always say, uh, you know, I'm not old enough to have met George Jones or Hank Williams, but uh, I knew James Hand, and uh, and that way uh, I've touched hands with the greats. Yes, sir. Is that something you plan on releasing soon then, or what's kind of your deal with those songs? What's your plan? Well, I got a bunch more singles off of Welcome to Hard Times we're going to push. Uh, okay. I'm going to basically push every song on that record because I don't think there's a B-side on it. But uh, Absolutely. that James Hand record probably probably be done next week. And then uh, we're going to drop it on Record Store Day uh, in uh, spring uh, 21. Oh, awesome. Oh, okay. We're looking forward yeah. to that one. Definitely pick that one up. Oh, boy, there's some hits on that number. Let me tell you, there's some hits, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, we really like that. Uh, Welcome to Hard Times. I bought it. I ended up buying a t-shirt of yours um, and then I bought the signed vinyl cause I just liked it so much. So um, yeah. Thank oh man. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. That's how I buy things like these banjos right here. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I know you've kind of had a crazy story coming up yeah. as a musician, but can you kind of tell us what, what happened in your childhood that made you turn to music? Oh, well, Let's see. Well, I'm from the Rio Grande Valley down in South Texas, way South Texas on the Mexican border. 
down where the uh, Rio Grande comes out at the Gulf Coast. And, you know, that ain't exactly a, a place that you can make your mark without getting out of at least a little bit. And uh, Where are y'all from? Where are y'all doing this Nebraska. from? Where? Nebraska. Oh, Lord of mercy. It's a very different place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit. We play up there in uh, – Anytime I play in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's like a foot of ice in the alley at that damn bourbon theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Where a good you, club. Are you coming back up there anytime soon? Man, we don't got nothing on the books, but I mean, you know, whenever we do, I know we always stop there, man. We start, we first started playing there with the Turnpike Troubadours. Really, that's how I got my start everywhere in this country. In fact, we playing here in a, Broken Bow, Oklahoma tonight, which is uh, the area that Evan Felker grew up in. And those boys took us through every casino, beer joint, dance hall in the nation of Oklahoma. Uh, but I don't mean to dance around your question when you ask me what happened in my childhood. Um, I just put it this way. Some of us get into music as a sort of profession, a last resort, you know, and I just lived a hard life, you know, my my mama raised me. We moved around. I lived in Dallas, lived in uh, New Orleans with my uncle, got into uh, hoboing and hitchhiking as a young man. You know, I was getting a lot of trouble with the law and uh, didn't, you know, see a lot of options for myself in my life. And, well, I just walked out of town one day and through hitchhiking and being a delinquent, if you will, I taught myself how to play guitar, like traveling around and started learning stuff off of other travelers, uh, street performers, uh, started learning songs by ear, taught myself to guitar, uh, used to watch people play for money in the French quarter. Uh, you know, I'd sit on the curb and watch them play and then go off in the park and hide and try to teach myself how to play and stuff. And eventually I got good enough where I could pick up songs and start playing for money and hitchhiking, riding trains with people and, you know, did that up in New York City in the parks, the subways, subway cars. Uh, always did it seasonally in the French Quarter for the tourists over on the West Coast. They're everywhere, man. Uh, really everywhere. You know, I just was looking for a place to do my thing where I wasn't going to be, you know, bothered or not bothering people. You know, there's not always a place in America for you to, you know, teach yourself how to get good at something without an education. You just got to go and out and do for yourself. And um, just found my way into music because I always liked singing songs. I felt like I was pretty good at imitating, you know, songs on the radio or hearing people sing songs and remember the melodies. And I ain't no good at guitar and banjo, but I'm real stubborn and I've just been doing it for a long time and it seems to work enough that, you know, Shit, I'm 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 still here, you know. <laughs> I think your um, I think your struggles that you've experienced in your life really reflect in your the authenticity of your music. It really feels like these are true. Like this is really how you feel and about the world. And um, yeah. So I just I just think. Sorry, <laughs> sorry I'm not trying to ramble too long, but um. Oh no, I'm not. Don't worry, I'll do all. I'll do all the rambling. Y'all do it. Yeah. So I think it just really comes out in your music is just authentic. And I think that's what's really special about what you got going on. 
You know, I really appreciate that. Thank, thank you very much for saying that, man. I, I'm grateful to hear that, man. It means a lot to me. Uh, I just love, I just love blues music and country and honky tonk. I love folk music, man. I love good rhythm and blues and old time soul and can't never get enough of it. You know, I'm just trying to, I spend the rest of my life trying to catch up to these fools. You know, I mean, trying to do something like George Jones or Charlie Pride or Ray Charles or Roger Miller, Loretta Lynn, you know, Etta James. I mean, I'll never catch these people, but I'm going to spend my life trying, you know. So I got a lot of, I got a long way to go. And, uh, you know, I always say that I'm aiming for the top of the mountain, but anywhere you land on it's fine with me. Charlie, I was thinking the other day, and I kind of wanted your opinion with uh, Culture Ball's new album that dropped. They ha- they released a cover of uh, Diamond Joe, and I know you've uh, you've covered that song before too. And I was wondering if you've heard it and what your opinion was on that. What on Culture's version? Yeah, with Vincent Neil Emerson. Oh man, I mean, that guy is one of the great interpreters of, and purveyors of you know folk music of cowboy songs of western music of just uh heritage music in general and uh he does it in his own way and and uh we like to i like to call that or you know that's what that's what i like to call originality and uh real originality comes from a man or a woman of their times bringing tradition from the back and bringing it back up to the front and uh I think that's what Coulter's doing. I think that's what I think that's what Vincent's doing. I think there's a lot of people doing that, and uh, I, for one, am real, uh, real. Uh, I'm real glad to see it. Um, I just love that Coulter's doing exactly. I think he's doing exactly what he wants to do, and uh, that make that makes a benefit for all of us because when an artist is making the music that they love in their heart, you can be sure that uh, there's going to be a whole lot of it. So, yeah, man, that's a great tune right there. One of the great, great folk songs, man. Yes, it is. So earlier you kind of mentioned starting off as a street performer and a subway performer. Uh, How do you think uh, playing on the subway or on the street affected your music and kind of like what did you learn from that scene? Oh, that's who I am, man. You know, uh, I could break it down in just a few one-liners for you you know the the short of it is my my man is that uh I learned how to stand behind my guitar out there you know uh and what I mean is is before finding my place singing American roots music you know I didn't under I didn't know what my place in society was you know I had a hard time seeing myself as worthy of 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 America but when I found the music and 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 a voice I I feel like I'm contributing something to this, you know, this land that we call America. And uh, that's what I mean by learning how to stand behind my guitar. Also, I learned how to ask for money, and uh, that's worth something, too. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So you're you're moving on to uh, probably bigger venues now, but is there a, a favorite old go-to spot that um, you ever just like to go play for fun, maybe a real smaller venue? Oh Lord, yes. I mean, love all the small joints, man. I, I mean, I played, I played all of them, all the beer joints in the deep south. You know, the beer halls, dance halls, sheds. Uh, man, I could name all the list off a million to you, but 
uh, I was thinking about that today. You know, I, I figure, you know, if I, if I manage to start playing bigger venues, I'm sure I'll just miss all the small ones. So, uh, yeah. Do you ever have a, a desire to maybe go back to one of the corners you performed at and do a pop-up concert or anything like that? Yeah, I think about doing that all the time. I mean, I mean I'm kind of doing that even right now, man. I can't even really see me. I'm just, I'm just leaning on this old boy's trailer here with my <laughs> banjo out behind the deal. Uh, you know, shit hits the fan for me in this business like it has many times before. I can always go back out on the street and make a dollar. But, uh, yeah, I figure I'll do a lot more of that. You know, actually, I when I'm usually, like, in normal times when I'm touring, I do that all the time in little towns, just hide out in the alley or a little side corner. I, I still carry around an old milk crate whenever I lose them and find another one behind a bar or restaurant or whatever and I always try to keep one on us because uh that's just I like sitting on a milk crate on a street corner or in a uh you know a doorway of a closed up shop or whatever you know I particularly like me a good uh good old-fashioned red milk crate <laughs> well Charlie I know you're a lot of our favorite artists including you are involved with the company 30 Tigers can you explain what they do for you and how they how they kind of benefit you I was kind of helping you to explain it to me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, I mean, you know, the way I would explain 30 Tigers is, uh, well, let's see. I got eight records out. I've made all eight of them the way I wanted to make them. And nobody ever told me anything about how they needed to sound or uh, told me to go back and try again to put it out. And that's because uh, I own those records. And uh, that's 30 Tigers' business model is uh, you own your record. You know, you got to do the work of making that record. It's all about the music, man. And, um, you know, without 30 Tigers, I'd, <laughs> I'd still be playing all these damn uh, beer joints <laughs> that you wanted me to list off. And, uh, you know, nobody gave me a shot to do that before this. And uh, I think a lot of folks that uh, have signed with them would uh, tell you the same thing. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, in a past interview, I heard you kind of say that if it wasn't for Americana, you wouldn't be on the charts. Um, so, uh, what would you say – sorry. Uh, when someone asks, like, what kind of artist you are, do you prefer to say you're a country artist or would you rather say, like, you're something like an Americana artist? Oh, man, I mean, you know, Americana is a, you know, it's a, it's a made-up word, you know, it's a, I don't know, country music, you know, I hear people throwing away around that term country music today that, you know, that when they say country music, they don't even know what they're talking about, you know, or... <laughs> Not you fellas. I don't mean y'all. Uh, no, we, not we, know what you're we know what you mean by that. We know. Yeah, you know, and so I just – and I feel the same thing with Americana, man. Like, I leave it to the gatekeepers and the, uh, you know, critics and the media folks to call this what they will, you know. Uh, I don't give a damn what they call it, you know, because 
that's why I like to think about what I do as American music, heritage music. I like to call it golf and Western. Uh, and even those things, man, you throw those words around and depending on who you're talking to, you know, they going everybody's got their own idea what that means. But, uh, but I, but, but sincerely when it comes to Americana music, man, I mean, I'm just grateful that, uh, like I say, you know, or I don't know where I told who I said that to, but I, I'm sure that's true. But without a, it is true with this record that I made, uh, you know, it wouldn't be on no type, no type of chart. And, uh, I don't think that's got anything to do with the fact that my records couldn't do well on country charts, billboard charts, AAA, all that kind of stuff, man. That's all politics, you know, and it's all stuff going on behind the scenes and parlor room floor type of stuff that I honestly, I just don't have any time for, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people stand around acting like they're just in a cow pasture, but really they got a bunch of people working behind the scenes. And uh, with me, uh, it's different than that. You know, it's uh, what you see is what you see is what you get. And, uh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I got, you know, shit, I, I, I stand up for country music every day. I really feel like I do, you know. That's how that's kind of how we made this podcast. We wanted to shine a light on those guys that Nashville just doesn't support, and the guys that are making real, authentic country music. So that's that's what kind of sparked the idea for this podcast for us. Man, that's it, brother. Yeah, you know, and I mean that's how it is. You know, if you was to talk to, uh, you know, George Jones or uh, Willie Nelson, Johnny Paycheck. Roger Miller, any of these guys we're talking about, Charlie Pride, in the 60s, all them amazing country records that they was cranking out, they wasn't making much money off that stuff, you know? They, they, they really wasn't. But, I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have those records, that they, what they recorded when they were young, and those 50s and 60s records, you know, to me, I don't know, that's just how it is, man. You got to pay your dues, you know? So, there's this. I don't know, something about 2020, you know, it's like there's a bunch of people standing around claiming this, that, and the third. And that's the first thing I'd say is like, you know, some of them look at me and say, well, I, I know I could easily fill his shoes. And I'm like, well, shit, before you do that, and I'd like to see you try, you're going to have to pay some dues, son. So, <laughs> yeah. You could know. You, a little bit about uh, your album, Lil GL's Honky Tonk Jubilee, and kind of how that album Hey, y'all, y'all waiting on me? Um, Honky Tonk Jubilee, what about it? Uh, could you kind of tell us how that album came to be? Oh, yeah. Well, well, see, man, I have been, you know, playing in the streets and on in the bars and all that stuff for years. Uh, I just learned how to play, like, all kind, all four, like, all kind of music. So, like, I learned by ear. So, I learned how to play a lot of blues stuff. Uh, a lot of old like stand jazz standards in the street in New Orleans. Uh, lots of blues songs, man. And uh, I got into learning like honky tonk and drinking songs playing on World Street in the French Quarter. That's why I first learned like Hank Williams. Uh, my bucket's got a hole in it. Uh, driving nails in my coffin. All those. Those were the early stuff that I heard on the street and those drinking songs, man. Like, first of all, it was doing a fair bit of drinking myself and uh second of all man like people really love that music and and uh i feel i just 
once I really recognized the storytelling within country music, like old classic country barroom classics, you know, that, that tear in your beer, you know, pop a top, uh, type of songwriting, man, just the picture that it painted, man, it just, it just took over my life and my soul. And my earliest memories of playing music or learning songs in the street, it was always old time gospel and folk music that always felt the most natural and comfortable for me to sing. And uh, so I'd always been doing a little bit of country, a little bit of blues, a little bit of jazz, just a, just the, everything I was picking up on the street with my little antenna and putting it together. And uh, at some point, you know, I had always, I had decided I wanted to do a whole record of classic country songs. And it took me, it just took me that many years to, you know, get into a recording situation. I did this record, Stolen Jewel, recorded that in this old farmhouse with no money in rural Northern California. And then I recorded in the night with this, uh, with uh, Billy Horton outside of Austin. And that was like a real crazy experience for me. Cause I just had, I still had one foot on the street, you know, or the bar, you know, every, really I was just playing bars and still on the street, but I was playing with, you know, some Cracker Jack boys that was way above my pay grade. And then I, I made a, a better record than I expected. And, uh, once I did that, I realized that I was in a, I had a relationship with Billy Horton that I could keep cutting records with him. And, uh, so over the course of like, I don't know, three or four sessions, I just laid all those songs down that I just knew over the years, like, like straight barroom shit, you know? And, uh, we recorded that thing, man. And it came out better than I expected. And that was actually the first thing that 30 Tigers issued of mine. I signed a contract with them right as I was putting that record out. And, uh, and it just, uh, you know, it, it took off for me without any promotion or marketing. 30 Tigers just serviced it to the radio stations they knew. We didn't spend no money pushing it or nothing. But, uh, uh, you know, that's always how it is, man. It's like the stuff I record and put out and don't, like, pay any mind to, that's always the stuff that goes the furthest, you know. So, uh, Jamestown Ferry and uh, Just a Drink Away and all them songs, just they went, they just going a lot further than I thought. Hell, like, they still sell uh, – I still sell – I sell more than – I sell more honky tonk jubilee every night than almost anything else. So I guess people like it. I'm on, I'm about to record me a, a honky tonk jubilee number two. I was going to do it next, but I went ahead and recorded all the James hand songs. My buddy, I was telling you about, and then I'm going to get in the studio here in a couple of weeks and I'm going to probably cut about 20 more of them. Oh, uh, you know, just, a, I got a list about a hundred of them. I've been thinking about recording. So I'll probably cut about 20 of them and then we'll pare that down to 15 or 16 and I'll drop that one like a bad habit. Yeah, we'll, we're looking forward to that. That'll be awesome. Charlie, I know, yeah, man. I know you're busy and you have to run. You just let us know, but if you got time, we'd love to keep talking to you. I uh, man, I got I got I'm uh I gotta go in here and do this crazy sound check, but I got time for one more, fellas. I, I want y'all to know I'm real grateful for y'all uh and I'm sorry I kept y'all waiting, man. I really am. Don't sweat it, man. We appreciate your time and so glad we were able to talk to you. Um, uh, one last thing I kind of have is I was looking at your about section on your website and said you've done many, many years of farming. How has that influenced your, your music? Oh, well, I mean, by, I didn't grow up doing any of that type of stuff. Uh, the way that I got into working on ranches and 
uh, you know, doing fence work, working with cattle, all that type of stuff, uh, goats, chickens, gardening, all that type of stuff was uh, because I was hoboing. And so uh, more often than not, in different parts of the country, whether you're talking about Colorado, California, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Vermont, all these type of places, just all over the place, uh, Texas, people on ranches in rural areas, you know, had had room for you, you know. You could, uh, you could sleep outside. You could sleep in the pasture. You know, they had a barn or extra room. And uh, just always, you know, step in as a hand, always step in uh, kind of doing work trade uh, for room and board. And, uh, and I did that in Ganja, uh, just any, you know, anything that you could think of. And that gave me a couple of things, man. That gave me, uh, that gave me uh, meals, and it gave me a lot of time to play music uh, in between working, you know. And I would just work on whatever projects was going down, whether it was, like, moving soil. Uh, like I said, you know, there's always fence repair work on these rural properties. Uh, you know, uh, planting, all that type of stuff. Just I like doing all that, man. I like. I like getting my hands in the soil. I like, I'm not a great farmer, but I, but I, I love doing all the, I like doing all the heavy lifting, man. I love moving soil, man. Um, I really like that, man. I really love building uh, cages, putting up deer fence, all that type of stuff. It's, it's, you know, and I'm not somebody I call real skilled at it, but I'll get in there and work all day, you know, um, or at least I used to, you know, with my heart stuff and all that. I hate been doing a lot of that work since my surgeries and with the, with the COVID and all that type of stuff. But I'd like to get back to it, man. It's, it, if I can line up this deal that I'm working on, I'd like to get me a bit of ranching uh, land outside of uh, somewhere up in Northern New Mexico. I was thinking about getting some land up there and uh, hopefully I can do that sometime in the next few months. But uh, I can't imagine being able to do this without, having, you know, small farmers and ranchers and cowboys and all those type of people putting me up on their property. Um, because when you sitting out there playing in New York city on the street for six months straight or in new Orleans, or even out here being on the road, 200 days, uh, the city will make you go crazy, man. And if, you know, it just, <laughs> it really isn't for me, man. It, it really isn't. Uh, just I, especially touring man you get stuck in parking lots and you know you have to be in these places and when I get off the road all I want to do man is get in my truck and and get as far away from big city as I can so you know and uh I don't know man I think that's what good music is like if you think about somebody like George Jones or Lightning Hopkins or B.B. King or any of those kind of people you know you're talking about it's it's country folks going to the city to make music you know and it's that combination of of of, of the, you know, rural tradition and that fast city life that I think you put that stuff together with recording and you can make some pretty wild records, you know? So, but, uh, man, they hollering at me to get in there, fellas. So, uh, but let's do this again sometime. Yeah. I would say once you, uh, have some free time, get out of the studio, uh, we'd love to talk to you about the, uh, new music that you're going to be recording and all that. And just hearing more of your yeah. incredible. Oh, man. Well, people think my story is made up, but the truth is, man, uh, I tone it down for folks. I really do, man. I really do. 
Yeah. Well, we appreciate everything, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. No, man, I appreciate y'all. Uh, what is this? Uh, what's the podcast again? Outlaw Country Podcast. We'll we'll tag you in the tweet if you want to retweet it and help us out. Yeah, man, y'all send me the shit. I will. I will. Thank you. Okay, brothers. Uh, I'll talk to y'all next time. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Adios. In an outlaw state of mind.